Francisco. Snap is high. Hearn is coming at him. He gets away. Head to the left sideline. Throws. He's got a man. And an end zone. Touchdown, 49ers. You gotta see it to believe it. Frank Gore makes the catch after it appeared that quarterback Smith was dead in the water and was gonna be sacked. That, my friends, it's what we like to call a quarterback with it. <laughs> yes. Oh, you people are never going to get away from me on that. I'm serious. Never never going to happen. I'm not going to quit because it's, it's just too good. We're playing Seattle this week, and that's like, that's like the biggest moment from this whole rivalry. Oh, other than, you know, Alex Smith being crushed under Rocky Bernard. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of that was um, bigger than that. I don't want to say better because that would be wrong. <laughs> that wasn't good. That that was that was very bad, and uh, took all the hope of uh, 2007 right out of us. But we're here in 2008, and unfortunately, in this 2008 season, we have begun the season with. Basically the exact same record we've finished, uh, started every season under Mike Nolan. Now, let's talk about Mike a little bit as we bid him a fond farewell, a long overdue farewell. Mike Nolan cleaned up the salary cap. He brought in a pretty smart guy in Parag Marate. He's a finance guy. And let me just say, he should stay the finance guy. Now, uh, it's fine. Maybe he likes football. It's great. Maybe he's really, really good with the rules. That's fine. Maybe he plays a mean Madden, you know? Maybe, you know, maybe you don't want to really take on Parag. Uh, You know, he's probably a fantasy football monster, you know? But I really wouldn't say it's a good idea to have him in the booth. I'm just saying. It's, It's just my opinion. I'm thinking a football guy belongs there. But, you know, what do I know, really? Seriously. I just get on here and spout an opinion. Um, confident in my opinion, yeah. Uh, Ralph Barbieri and I share that opinion, but uh, we don't share many, him and I. <laughs> uh, I agree with Tolbert far more often than I agree with uh, Barbieri. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is, Mike Nolan's gone. Um, I would say he gave a good structure as far as... Uh, I want to say accountability, but the man was not accountable for himself. Um, they talk about the locker room staying together, and that's that's fair. That's fair to say they stayed together. But you know, they kept their grievances in house, which I can respect. Okay, I get sick and tired of teams that air their you know dirty laundry out where everybody can see it. I'm tired of seeing you know Terrell Owens turd streaked underwear hanging on the line for everybody to see. That being said. You know, I think there's a place for grievances to be aired in a healthy fashion. You know, Steve Young, a very frustrated young player, playing behind Montana, he thought he should start. And many times he was interviewed by the press in the locker room, and he would say, you know, you've got a guy here who's willing to play. And he was very, he was openly frustrated with Bill Walsh, but I think what what Bill Walsh had was an understanding with his players that you know, Bill Walsh, he was not an egomaniac. He was a smart guy, and he knew that he knew a lot, and he was very self-assured in what he knew. But, the, you know, the results proved themselves on the field. 
but he allowed his players a little bit of leeway, and I think that was healthy. The, the problem with Mike Nolan is, you know, he's just a man who, who doesn't quite get the, the football player mindset. Yeah, I know he was a player. He was a second-string defensive back. You know, he just, you know, barely a level above what Jim Hostler was as a player. Uh, that's that's going back into the dark ages there. Um, you know, so on balance, Mike Nolan did some good things for the organization. Sort of got our feet under us again, but just wasn't very self-aware. Or if he was self-aware, he deluded himself. Or he was just plain lying to everybody. You know, the, the way he handled his relationship with with Jonas Jennings to Alex Smith going back to Jamie Winborn uh he, he just you know it was either his way or the highway and you know I know when you're a football coach obviously you got to follow the coach's rules but it seems that there's no flexibility and yeah it seems he kept the locker room together and all the players say the right things you know when he's there they're not going to come out and say something negative about him because there's going to be consequences we saw that he took things out on his players when they disagreed with him and as he's leaving no they're not going to say anything now they're not going to be you know bash the guy behind his back because they have too much class for that and there's a lot of people that that want the players to say something negative about Nolan or, or you know give voice to the frustration we as fans feel you know Ralph Barbieri wants Scott McLuhan to give voice to the frustration that we fans feel but that's just not going to happen and Barbieri does a good enough job of that on his own and, you know, certain things I agree with him, certain things I do not agree with him on. And we'll kind of touch on that. Uh, we recently had a press conference. Let me hit the back button. Mouse click. And, I, you know, I want to explore a few things in the press conference. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Uh, but just some key points. And the only reason I want to focus on this is because I believe there's hope for this organization. And, you know, on the board, uh, Tim and I have been going back and forth on... on uh, just how bad Scott McLuhan was or wasn't. And we're pretty much on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. I like Scott McLuhan overall. I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he let his emotions get himself away, get, get away from himself, uh, get away from him. You know, he's a general manager in an awkward position, but he is the general manager and he needs to act like a general manager. Now, one person, I knew what to expect from Mike Singletary. But one thing I did not expect was this. The San Francisco 49ers have a tradition of winning. Every decision that we make is aimed at reestablishing that culture of winning. So, uh, first of all, I, I tune in and I don't know who this guy is. I'm like, who's talking here? But, you know, I'm listening to it on the radio and slowly I realize it's Jed York. And I promise that I won't rest until we reestablish a championship culture. And I can sort of almost hear the Italian accent of his dear old Uncle Eddie. I want to thank Mike Nolan. In 2005, Mike Nolan took over a bad football team. True. Mike and I have gotten to be pretty close. This obviously was not an easy decision to make. Now, now check this. See how long this goes. But this was about what happens on the field. We need to reestablish our championship call. Do you see how much, he, how much time he spent on Mike Nolan? He thanked him. He basically said what he came in here and, and, and accomplished and was done. Sure. 
and we need a coach that has the intensity to match that championship caliber culture that we're looking for. And that is clearly Mike Nolan does not have that intensity. We're very excited to have Mike Singletary as our head coach for the remainder of the 2008 season. I'm very excited to see what Mike can do and bring out the passion and intensity in our football players. And that was the, pretty much the extent of his opening comments. Uh, and he turned the podium over to Scott McLuhan. So, first off, Jed York is four years younger than me. And I don't think I could get up there and give that, you know, statement. Um, it showed a lot of guts, I think, on the part of the Yorks. You know, Dr. John, he got a little tired of the media. And, you know, he's a doctor. He's a pathologist, is it? You know, he's not cut out for this. But Jed York really seemed to me to evoke, not maybe not the bravado of Eddie, but certainly the confidence and the stature, even though he's a young kid. Um, you know, I, I struggle with this because he's so young. And, you know, I don't... You put him at a table with Robert Kraft, you know, Jed's got a lot to learn for Robert Kraft. But he's a respectful guy, and he's, he's trying to learn as things go. The, the problem that I see is when... If there's ever any negotiations with owners, I don't know why there would be. I don't know what owners do when they get together besides play a lot of golf, maybe. Uh, I don't know what Dr. York's golf game is like, but he's no Robert Kraft, clearly. And a lot of people have said, well, maybe they need to bring in a president. But I will say this. I think Jed York has more gumption than his father. I think he's probably got more sense than his father. And I think he certainly got more care for the organization than his father. So I I really think that a lot of people like Jed when they get to know him. You hear the name Jed. Oh, well, there we go. Let me tell you a story about a man named Jed. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? It doesn't matter what his name is. I think this is a good guy. I think ultimately he's going to be great for the 49ers, and I hope that he has a chance to show it. So... We go to Scott McLuhan's opening comments. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I want you to kind of get a feel for the tone that he set. This is a negative uh, two days for me, probably the two toughest days of my life, um, because professionally and personally, a relationship I have had with Coach Nolan, um, there's seldom a day that goes by uh, during the season or in the off season that we don't talk, uh, life, football, whatever. So I want people to understand that being the head coach in – Fingers being pointed at him, the reason why we're two and five this year and why a decision has been made to move on, it doesn't all fall on his shoulders. Okay, now you heard the little audio glitch there with a little extra coach in there. That's how I got it from KNBR. Now, this is where it should stop, okay? Yes, we've established that it was a tough decision, but it had to be made, right? You're not second-guessing yourself, right, Scott? So it was a tough decision. We've developed a personal relationship um, and then he starts talking about how it's not all Mike Nolan's fault. And that's fine in principle. You certainly don't want to say, well, it's all Mike Nolan's fault. That would be wrong, certainly. But the buck stops at the head coach, and we had to make a change. That should be all he says. But he goes on. He's the head coach. He understands that. He accepts that. Um, that's kind of... Okay, good. So Mike Nolan has class. ...person he is. Uh, but I want people to understand it was not completely his fault. He states it again 
not completely his fault. I think we got it the first time. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things involved, a lot of workings that have gone on. Now he's starting to um, but just, spit just out as stuff. a person he came in and, and, and one of the reasons why I'm here is him. The way he left was just as classy. Okay, we got that. But you see, Scott's starting to let his emotions get away with him. Um, I didn't expect any different. Uh, the conversations we had, the uh, the emotions that he showed, the emotions that I showed. As okay, do we really care about the emotions these two men shared between well each other? Well, as Jed, uh, we had something started here. And I want people to understand this decision affects me more than just professionally. But I also understand, as Jed pointed out, that the idea is results on the field. We have not got the results on the field that we need, um, and we True. have to strive and do everything in our power to make sure we get to that point. Understand, he's just halfway done um, You know, with his opening comments. Again, I want to touch base a little bit about the, st the structure he brought in. I think we see with our players and the players staying together and fighting through this. I was able to speak to all the players this morning. I spoke with all the coaches last night. Again, emotional from, from the standpoint of both coaches and players. Okay, you see what this has turned into. You see what this has turned into. This has turned into the Mike Nolan apologist hour. They've just fired the guy, and they're hiring Mike Singletary. And all that Scott McLuhan can seem to get up there and do is defend Mike Nolan. You don't sit up there and defend the guy you just hired. Yeah, there's some good things in place, but you know what, Scott? You're the man in charge now. Mike Nolan has gone away. And yeah, Mike Nolan was a big contributor in the things that you built. But you know what? You're the GM now. And you also had a hand in building this foundation that you take such pride in. But it's not the Mike Nolan defense hour. Um, so anyway, I, I, I'm kind of frustrated with it. But, you know, as a person, I can see it. But as a football GM, it's just it has no place. You're wasting press conference time and I'm sitting here wasting podcast time so here here's one of the things that I noticed there, there was there was a contradiction Scott McLuhan contradicted himself now Tim on the board disagrees with me he doesn't think he contradicted himself but the 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 exchange he had with Ann Killian just was, was very uncomfortable uh, let's see here uh, we'll go through these. Okay, I want to start first with the question from Matt Mayoko, which was, why didn't you wait until the bye week? Why was this decision made right now instead of the bye week? Um, I, again, I don't think there's one right time for a decision like this. Uh, you know, if you go off of, you know, past, past experiences and talking to people that the bye week is usually the best week because it gives you some extra days to kind of get the transformation uh, rolled over. But... Uh, you know, I think with the distractions on the outside, you know, the most important thing is for us to be ready to play this week in the play in the play against the Seahawks. And the more distractions we have, it takes away from that. Um, so we need to we need to step forward. We need to do what's best for the organization, and, and and that's getting this team ready to play on Sunday. So Scott McLuhan there, talking about distractions from the outside. Well, there's really only one kind of distraction from the outside, and that's all the media attention surrounding the possibility of Mike Nolan being fired. Now, clearly the distraction is not the constant media speculation on whether or not Mike Nolan will keep his job, because they've been doing that for years. Uh, it's not that. It is the current media attention that he's talking about. So let's do Tim Kawakami asking, why did you do this in January? I felt that he had brought the leadership. He had put us in a situation to be a successful team. 
Um, I felt positive about the offseason, what, what we accomplished from player acquisitions and also coaches' acquisitions. And, you know, I, I, I do it again. I just, you know, sitting at 2-5, and five, it, it's, it's just not the results that, that we want. When was this decision made? A couple of weeks ago, the, the talk started. Where you know, it was, it was very important to follow this team and to see if you saw any signs of the team giving in. Um, I did not see any signs that the team was still competing. The team was the team was still competitive. Um, we were in all all the last four games. We did not find a way to finish the game, but I thought the team competed. Um, but the, the decision was not thoroughly met. We, there's been discussions until a couple of days ago. So a couple of days before he's fired they reached this decision so Lowell Cohen asks well <clears throat> excuse me why did you let him give a press conference on Monday if you'd already reached this decision he was our coach for this week he was our coach going into Seattle because he gave us the best opportunity to win the game bottom line that's what matters here um, once the, some some outside forces started started things were started to be said um, knowing that's going to affect the players and the coaches a lot knowing that once we, we, we didn't have the opportunity for the week to go through what, with those distractions. That pulls away from what our, our common goal is, and that's to be ready to play on Sunday. So the first thing I don't understand is how, if you've already reached the decision to fire the guy, how you can turn around and say you felt he gave your team the best chance to win that week because you've already determined that he's not good enough to coach the team, yet he still gives your team the best chance to win. Number one, I don't understand that. From a general manager's perspective, that sounds stupid, is is what that sounds like. And the next part of that is, he distinctly said, as soon as some things starting to started to be said, that was this week. That was the media speculation from the Michael Smith report from ESPN suggesting that he was going to be fired after the Seattle game. Clearly, this is the distraction. It's the current media reporting. So we go on, Lowell Cohen asks, asks about the leak coming from within. It seems to me that somebody in this organization must have leaked to somebody that Mike was going to be fired. Do you think that's appropriate? I, it's not appropriate. I don't believe it came from this organization. So Scott McLuhan says, I don't believe that is appropriate. I don't believe that came from this organization. But listen to what he says in the next bit. The discussion about the bye week and a possible change in coaching, that had been out there for, for quite a while. I mean, it had been speculated upon in columns locally and nationally. Why would you let the pressure of... of two or three national reports in one day force your hand on a coaching decision. Now pay close attention to that. Ann Killian does not say why did all the reporting about why Mike Nolan should be fired over all these years. She, she mentions two or three national reports in one day. Why did you let that force your hand? Because it, McLuhan already made it clear these current distractions are the things that made them... Uh, fire him now and not in the bye week as the original question from Matt Mayoko states. So he gives his answer. It doesn't. The media doesn't even play in this whatsoever. The fans don't play in this whatsoever. It's an organizational decision. Right off the bat, he says, the media has nothing to do with it. After he just got done talking about outside forces and things being said. What else is there but the media? And he says it's an organizational decision. So if it's an organizational decision... Tell me, how else would someone know without it being leaked from the organization? Can you tell me that? My wife has no idea either. She's reading Harry Potter, so, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to her either. Um, basically, I, I don't understand. 
the the importance of bringing this up is is not to bash Scott McLuhan. The point of bringing this up is, can we get somebody finally who can stand at that podium and give a straight answer on something, and not jerk our chains and say, well, uh, outside forces, we didn't want them to be a distraction because we got to get ready to play on Sunday. That's a good football thing to say. Yeah. So, when was the decision made? couple days ago so why'd you let him give a press conference well we felt he gave us the best chance to win even though we really wanted to fire the guy a couple days ago uh because he didn't give our team a chance to win that could be the only reason i would fire somebody so did the leak come with from within uh no you know why why let the media uh, make you force your hand it's an organizational decision but if the leak didn't come from the organization then where'd it come from that's my question. Did did Michael Smith suddenly just guess that they were going to fire Mike Nolan after the saddle game for the bye week? Which was my prediction anyway. I, I don't think so. But anyway, that's not important. Let's hear... Uh, John Crumpacker asks him, what's wrong with his team? You know, I wish I had the answer for that. If we had the answer, Coach Nolan would still be here. Um, you know, the one thing, I believe in these players. I believe in these coaches. Stop, 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 stop. Wait, 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 wait. So, what's wrong with the team, Scott? I don't know. If we had the answer, Mike Nolan would still be here. Hello, McFly. Your answer is staring you right in the face. What was wrong with the team was Mike Nolan. That's why you fired him. We continue. Um, but again, you know, the, the, the bad power part about the business, it falls on one guy's shoulders, and that's the head coach. Uh, again, it's not completely his fault. I'm looking forward to a team that expects to win games. So they fire the guy, and he continues to say it's not completely his fault. Why would you fire the guy? Why wouldn't you fire some other people? But I digress. You get to the fourth quarter, and you have a lead in the fourth quarter. You you win that game, especially at home. Um, I'm looking for response from players that listen. You know, this is a business, and it is a job, and you have to play to your your talent level. You have to perform. You have to go out there. And, and I'm looking forward to Coach Singletary, like I said about him, with the position of linebacker, seeing him get the most out of them, getting the most out of this team. You know, I, I, so It seems to me that this is where McLuhan is finally hitting his stride. He's finally getting to the point. He's using code, but we can understand the code. The code is, I'm looking forward to a team finishing games when you have a lead in the fourth quarter finishing that game. Well, clearly, Mike Nolan's penchant for playing prevent or the big sub nickel defense having a defense playing on its heels playing conservative never blitzing the quarterback rushing three and dropping eight on third and 20 against the new england patriots with matt castle at quarterback these kinds of things have contributed to the losses Uh, using the personnel uh, playing them up to their ability the fact that mike nolan didn't play manny lawson didn't even let him see the field against seattle the first game is a crime against humanity that's that's like having the 85 Chicago Bears and not playing Richard Dent. It's just plain dumb. It, it, it's like having Julian Peterson and not playing Julian Peterson. How stupid would that be? Um, well, pretty stupid. That's why no one made that mistake. So Matt Mayoko again asks about Mike Martz. Mike Martz is the only assistant with head coaching experience was he considered for this interim position mike singletary was was a front runner the thing i respect about mike martz is that he he has experience that that they can help with coach singletary to lean on 
Um, and his role right now with this team as the offensive coordinator is a huge role implementing this new offense, getting these guys on the same page. He makes a very good point there, and other people have made this point, that you don't promote Mike March to head coach when his his special, unusual, future great player, JTO Fumble, I mean JTO Interception, I mean JTO Sullivan, uh, is turning the ball over every game. Um, is throwing nine interceptions in the last four games. Um, that's just insane. That's just insanity. And so definitely a handle needs to be gotten. So let's get to Mike Singletary. Um, one of the other reasons for optimism, uh, I think, from this press conference. First of all, I would just like to say that um, the last uh, couple of days of um, certainly had its drama. And uh, for me, uh, I am very honored uh, to be considered for this position uh, that I am in currently as the head coach. But getting there was um, uh, was a little difficult. Uh, for me, uh, when I was offered the job, it was just uh, a matter of uh, needing to talk to uh, Coach Nolan. And, uh, of course, when... When I saw him, um, you know, he was emotional and so was I. You know, I felt that uh, I came here for one reason, and that was to help Coach Nolan uh, produce a winning organization. But upon looking back at it, I don't think um, Mike nor myself uh, realized uh, the task at hand. So why am I not railing on Mike Singletary for talking about it's been kind of difficult and, you know, that's all he says uh, about how difficult it was. And he says it was emotional for him and it was emotional for, for Mike Nolan. The difference is that Singletary worked for Nolan and was his buddy. Scott McLuhan, he's the GM. He's not supposed to be a buddy. He's supposed to be the man in charge. He's responsible for firing the guy. He's got to get over it real fast. Singletary, it seems, spends less time on Mike Nolan than Scott McLuhan does. We continue. And um, when I sat down yesterday and and um, basically um, just kind of looked at him and he looked at me, it, it was just one of those situations where before I could say a word, he said, I want you to understand something. I want you to take this job. I don't even want you to blink. I want you to take this job. Because I know that you have the heart of the players at hand. And I know that they're important to you. I know that you will be fair to the coaching staff. And I know you can bring it together. Uh, What we have built together has come to an end. But I want you to take it to the next level. If you do not take the job, I will be very disappointed in you as my friend. Um, uh, Needless to say, at at that point, um, it was very clear that I was going to take the job um, with no hesitation, uh, with his blessing. What I think about when I look at this organization, I know that what is here there is a lot of talent, um, a lot of good coaches, 
And um, I'm excited about the opportunity. I'm excited about uh, taking it to the next level. I'm excited about the people that I work with, uh, Scott being one of them, and Jed, and um, I'm excited about that. We met with the players this morning, talked to them briefly, and just let them know that um, I'm excited and very proud to be their head coach and that the expectation will be high. Uh, I expect to go to the next level, and so will they. Uh, we will work together as a staff, as a team, and we will get where we need to go. And I am, once again, excited about that. So here's a guy who doesn't seem to be talking in circles. And he doesn't have prepared comments. You know, he comes down um, to the auditorium to do the press conference. He's got a 49er red Under Armour shirt on underneath a gold sport coat. And who knows, it could be the same sport coat that Mike Nolan wore for his interview at a... I don't know, but uh, he, he didn't bother to get all decked out in a suit and tie because he was upstairs working on, on game preparation. So that that's the first thing I noticed about it and the first thing I, I liked about it. The second thing is he didn't bring prepared comments. He hadn't been working on his head coach acceptance speech. He just spoke plainly and from the heart, and he continues to speak from the heart. And he's asked, what do you bring that Coach Nolan did not? I'll put it this way. I, I think, um, you know, sometimes things happen that, that you can't quite explain. I don't really know um, if, if um, you know, when you say, well, how can you if Mike Nolan couldn't? I, I'll just say this. Uh, sometimes timing is everything. And um, I think right now uh, the guys understand and they realize that we do have something. We do have something here. To what degree, I don't know. But we do have something special here. And it's a matter of stepping in and being able to uh, bring it together. And that's something that I've done all of my life. Uh, I bring things together. And uh, I will see. Uh, before I got back in football, I was a motivational speaker. I was a trainer. I was a teacher. I was a lot of things. And I think all of those things have prepared me for this moment right now. So he doesn't spend a lot of time saying anything about where Mike Nolan stunk. He doesn't really have to because we all know. So he's asked by Ann Killian, well, how will things be different? You know what? Um, I will say this. There's not a whole lot of things that uh, I'm going to come in and, and change. Uh, first of all, the most important thing is this week. The most important thing is the next few days, which is why I can't have a whole lot of time here because I got to get back upstairs and and uh, make sure we're getting ready for this game this weekend. But I'm not looking at, you know, making all of these changes, and I'm not looking at uh, uh, creating something new or reinventing a wheel. What I am interested in, what I am interested in is making sure that when we go out to practice, that the very thing that we see in practice, we believe and understand and know that that's what we're going to see in the game. I, I am very excited about the game coming up this weekend. And that's the only thing that I'm thinking about right now. When that's over, I'll think about the next one. 
after the bye. And see, this is the thing I love about about Singletary is he doesn't use a lot of coach speak. He's just very direct, and, and he's starting to get in coach mode, and you can start to feel, you know, basically one of the most agonizing things watching these games is the penalties, especially last game when you have 13 penalties for 156 yards. You talk about no self-discipline. You talk about Vernon Davis and the brain farts he has, you know, dropping balls, false starts, holding penalties. It's almost a constant barrage of penalties. But you hear Singletary, Hall of Fame player, talking about making sure that when we practice, that what we see on the practice field, we're going to see in the game. I remember constant litany of Mike Nolan saying, well, when we we practice in the game, uh, when we practice on the field, it, it... comes out better you know guys are catching balls and I don't know what happens when we get out on the field I don't know what happens either but I certainly think a guy who played was an all pro for nine years and a hall of famer probably may have a better handle on getting the players to uh, shape up as far as uh, discipline goes Um, and not that they're misbehaving just self-discipline the you know having your mind on what you're doing and doing it right and not uh, doing the dumb things, you know, not just not doing the avoidable things. But this right here, as he continues, this tells me how Singletary is different than Nolan right here. I don't really know um, uh, what to go in and what uh, button to press here, what button to press there. I just know this. I just know what is in my heart. And I know that there is a fire that burns in my heart for this team to be successful. And that fire is unconquerable. That part right there is my favorite part of the press conference where he says, I have a fire for this team to be successful. And that fire is unconquerable. He might be waxing a little poetic here, but something Mike Nolan could never do. You know, when asked... What's what needs to change? Uh, I remember famously uh, a couple after the Philadelphia game, he said, "Well, we're not going to make any significant changes." Well, you don't just come out and say we're not going to make any significant changes. You got to change something because stuff was screwed up. And Singletary instead gives a credible answer. He says, "I don't know what button to push here or lever to pull here." When you don't know, you don't know. You don't act like you do or you don't act like there's nothing wrong but he knows that they're going to find it and it will not die until it comes to pass so that's where I'm at that's who I am and uh, going forward I would just um, I'm not, what is your name ma'am okay I would just ask you to keep your eyes open and, and your ears and uh, maybe after a while you tell me See, when you're watching the press conference, you, you see Mike Singletary, he actually takes an interest in in the press uh, corps. You know, Mike Nolan always had a combative relationship with the press. Was never really good at, at joking around with people. And if you remember the flap with Ann Killian last year, uh, when asked what was wrong with the team, he gives a couple answers. He says, I don't know, maybe it's you, Ann. Maybe you're not uh, writing good articles. Ha, ha, ha. And that joke obviously didn't go over well with Ann Killian and the Mercury News. 
Singletary instead shows a, a genuine interest and asks her her name and just says, you know, he doesn't want to bash his previous boss, obviously, but he says, you watch and see, and then you tell me how things are going to be different. And I like that because he's not telling her how it's going to be different. He just says, you watch. Well, first of all, I, I think... Sorry, this is Nancy Gay asking about the team culture. I think, Mike, what Mike has done and what I'm very thankful for and what I don't think many people understand, I don't think that they, they really, truly understand what Mike had to do when he came here um, and what he's built. To me, the next step is not as hard as the first. What he had to do was very difficult. He set the foundation. All I'm going to do is build upon that foundation. I'm not going to come in and, and, and make a lot of changes and do a lot of this and do a lot of that. I'm just going to be myself. And um, um, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be straightforward. Uh, I'm going to be very, very uh, diligent in terms of uh, whatever it is, finding whatever it is, I will find it. And somehow, some way, it, it will show itself. Uh, I don't think that uh, you can be around me very long and not be true to yourself and, and not find out what it is that you need to do in order to get there. I'm not a sugar coater. I, I don't scratch my head when it doesn't itch, and I don't blink when there's nothing in my eye. I just know this, that whatever it is, we will find it together. Whatever it is, we will find it. And this ought to be encouraging to the, the players listening because, again, here's a Hall of Famer. Here's a guy who won a Super Bowl who was personally face-to-face mentored by Bill Walsh, who won three Super Bowl rings. This is a guy who knows what champions are made of. Mike Nolan, not a clue. You know, came into the Ravens after they won the Super Bowl. Um, but this guy this guy knows. So Matt Mayoko asked him, uh, the question I was waiting to hear about was the passive defense. Well, um... I will say this. I think uh, Greg uh, Minuski and, and uh, the staff has, has really done a, a good job uh, up to this point. And, um, you know, once again, I would, just, um, I would just ask you to continue to watch and um, watch the next few weeks and, and see if we continue to be passive. I don't think so. Um, we're going to play, and, and we're not going to play with fear. We, we're we're going to play, and we're going to be bold, uh, play within our system. Um, we're not going to become uh, crazy and, and um, lose our minds and, and begin to blitz all the time. We're, we're going to do whatever it takes to win within the system. And um, I think as a team, that's what we'll do on both sides of the ball, as well as special teams. And see, I'm very encouraged by that because we all know the, the 46 defense of the Bears uh, back in the 80s and, and how aggressive they were. And he says... You know, you keep watching, and we'll find out if we're going to be passive. I don't think so, he says. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Another question he was asked by Nancy Gay was about his offensive vision. You know what? I, I will just tell you what my vision is for football, period. Uh, to me, I'm a historian when it comes to this game. I go back to the very beginning of why football was created. It was created for people to compete. And I think um, if you're not going to compete at the highest level, as fair as you can, as hard as you can, um, then you shouldn't be playing the game. 
as far as the, the culture, the vision, and all of those things, it is only one thing. It, to me, it's about the team. Everything is about the team. If you're on defense, it's about the team. If you're on offense, it's about the team. If you're on special team, it's about the team. And as long as we keep the focus on the team and the things that we have to do every day, the routine, the little things that we have to do every day, day in, day out, we're going to get where we need to go because we're not going to stop until we get there. So the reason I played this question uh, as the last one is because, you know, a lot of hay has been made about, well, Mike Nolan was a defensive-minded head coach, and now we have Mike Singletary, who is a defensive-minded head coach. Um, but number one, I don't think Mike Singletary is as vacuous as Mike Nolan. He's a student of the game, and I'm sure he's much more of a student of offense than Mike Nolan ever has been. Um, you know, when when you're the leader of a top ten defense for a decade, you analyze that film better than anybody, and you recognize how good offenses beat you better than anybody. And he understands how the 49ers offense beat them better than anybody. Um, so I wouldn't worry about offensive vision. I think what Mike Singletary's point is, it doesn't matter what system you play as long as it benefits the team and as long as you win. Whether West Coast, uh, Air Coriel, Martz, you know, whatever system's out there. You know, Norv Turner, Digit System, whatever, as long as the team wins with it, as long as it helps the team, and that's the point. Now, last question. This is my favorite one. Uh, Tim Kawakami gets Jed's attention at the end after Singletary goes upstairs, and he says, Jed, what do you think is wrong with the team? I said passion and intensity. Um, we have talent. There's no doubt that we have talent. We've got pro bowlers on both sides of the ball, actually all three phases of the ball. And... What we're lacking right now is that killer instinct, that, that finishing ability. You know, when you're up by nine points against the Eagles and you give up 23 in the fourth quarter, when you go toe-to-toe with the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year and you really give them everything that you have, and not to take anything away from the New York Giants or the New England Patriots, but I think we did everything to beat ourselves, and, and, and they didn't come in and, and blow us away. I mean, you've seen this team the last three years get blown out. You haven't seen that this year. You know, we made some mistakes against New Orleans, but, you know, they're correctable mistakes. We're not getting outplayed. I, I think we are getting out intensityed, and I don't even think that's a word, but I'm going to use it anyways. Um, and that's what we need, and, and that's what Mike Singletary is going to bring. I think you feel it. I assume you feel it. You feel his presence when he's up here speaking. That's what he brings to the organization. That's what he's going to bring out of the players. And I think you're going to see our players perform, and they're going to respond to this. And see, that's another reason why I think Jed resembles his dear old Uncle Eddie is because he's not afraid to tell it like it is. And there's, there's a couple people who need to hear what he's saying. Uh, number one is J.T. O'Sullivan. Uh, he mentioned, you know, when you're up nine against the Eagles and you give up 23 points in the fourth quarter. Um, well, I think that's for the defense, but... But J.T. O'Sullivan has been the guy giving the game away in the fourth quarter. And we haven't finished. We we, we haven't had that killer instinct. And he's one guy who really needs to, to step up his game. But the other part is, is the defense passivity. Uh, obviously, Singletary addressed it. But he's he's got his finger on the pulse. Clearly, O'Sullivan needs to, to omit the turnovers. 
and clearly the defense needs to quit playing prevent. And essentially that's it. You know, you got to have the finishing ability, you got to have the killer instinct, uh, not be afraid to blitz on third and long against the Patriots and Matt Castle. But I digress. So anyway, that's it for me uh, for this week. Uh, I expect to see the defense destroy Seattle. I really hope so. Uh, the encouraging sign is from, from Singletary's first practice is um, that he dialed up the intensity so much that, that guys were throwing up. Uh, that's football practice. You know, that's, you know, what they used to call in high school hell week. You know, that's the two-a-days. That's the, you're working so hard that your body's just like, what are you doing to me? And I think it's great that Singletary gets in there and shows them what a football practice is supposed to be like. And again, this is this is a guy who knows what goes into a champion. And I think he's going to be very good for this organization. And you know what? I think he's going to probably stick around because... Here's what's going to happen at the end of the season. I, I really don't see Mike Martz being given the head coaching job. Um, it, a couple things may happen. If he really wants to just be a coordinator, I can see him sticking around and working for Singletary. If he really wants to be a head coach, he won't be around next season. I'll just tell you that much. And it, If O'Sullivan doesn't suddenly turn around and become a great quarterback or even a good quarterback... Um, a guy who makes good decisions and doesn't give away the game and get rid of the mistakes and keep the good plays, then you may see Martz stick around better. If he doesn't and it doesn't work, then I think the Martz experiment, so to speak, will be seen not to work. And then Mike Martz will probably go somewhere else and JT O'Sullivan would likely go with him. We don't know who the assistants are that Mike Singletary keeps on his list uh, of assistants. Here's my assumption. Being being the kind of person he is, he's got clout. And he's certainly a man who would inspire more loyalty, I think, than Mike Nolan because Mike Nolan is viewed more as a stepping stone because he's really kind of unknown and everybody kind of knows he's not really all that good a coach. So you don't want to stick around for years working under a guy who's a loser as far as games go. Um, so I'm going to say this. I don't think that we've seen the last of Alex Smith in a 49er uniform, and I certainly don't think we've seen the last of him being on the field. And that's just my prediction. I, I think Mike Singletary will earn the job and will keep the job going forward next year. And, yeah, we might see a different offensive coordinator. But I think that's actually going to benefit the team. But we'll see. That's just my prediction. So anyway, that's it for this. And... Hope it was insightful. Hope it meant something. And see you later.